You're listening to And what's poppin' everybody? It is Thursday, December the 9th, 2021. You're listening to the Good Pop Culture Club. My name is Marvin Yue, and joining me as always to talk about all the good pop that gets through our days, we have self-proclaimed professional Asian-American just you. What's what up, Jess? up? What up? It's almost I can't... time for your uh, European Christmas vacation. Is that still happening? Uh, I hope so. I guess Austria is opening again. Um, we might have to divert and detour, but uh yes fingers crossed it will happen which i am also thoroughly unprepared for because mentally i kind of was like okay i just can't like i can't plan a vacation that might not happen it's gonna Mm -hmm. like make me so sad so it's like you know what i'm gonna punt that down the road and now it's like oh it's opening i was like great i was like oh fuck i have a week to like figure out like cold weather clothes which is like very hard to find in southern california do you need to borrow it? No, never mind. You you're wanting your own stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just need to like go find it. And for some reason, everything's like sold out because supply chain. Ah, uh. Uh, and so I just am kind of. It's fine. I'll figure it out. But I'm also like, oh fuck, I I may have procrastinated a little too close to the sun. You just need some good like some good layers mm-hmm. and a, a good coat, a good and like s- at least a good. Or snow jacket, yeah, like a I have like a puffy like down yeah like, puffer jacket, but like and then just buy to... the rest of the stuff there. But but you know like it's just like you don't as a Californian as a Southern Californian like you look at something like it's gonna be thirty degrees Fahrenheit and you're like I don't know like I know what that means <laughs> but I don't really know what that means because it's been a while since I've gone to New York where I usually end up in New York in like blizzard season so I have survived and i can function in like cold weather but it's been a while you know and then like throw in the celsius like oh it's gonna be negative three mm-hmm. degrees and i'm like celsius i was like oh that sounds cold but that's like not that's below freezing i but, feel like, like not celsius zero is, fahrenheit i feel like when it's cold celsius it's easier to read just like when it's hot fahrenheit mm-hmm. easier to read because 100 degrees fahrenheit yeah that's hot and zero degrees celsius yeah that's cold right yeah yeah, but like, like I I don't know what it means, Mar. Like I know what it means, but I don't know what it means. <laughs> Not in in practical terms, yes. right? Like, what does that mean? I wear. <laughs> You're like, how many layers do I have to use? I don't know. Just bring. Make sure to bring the extra layers for underneath. I have. Yeah, yeah, but I'm cheap, and I fly only with carry on, and they have like weight limits, so oh. I use, have to um, figure everything out. And, get like, um. Yeah, get the Thinsulate. Get the stuff that you would wear if you were snowboarding. So, like, I haven't gone snowboarding in fifteen <laughs> years, Han. Just get the bigger sizes, then. Like, get, get a good thermal inside layer. Mm-hmm. Get some sweaters. Make sure you cover your head and your hands. Like, the, okay. most of the heat escapes through your head. How and your are fingers. all you bitches so well versed in cold weather? You're also so in SoCal. Uh, like, I'm Marvin, also I from Texas, which is hot. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I, I spent a few years in DC. I, I think I, if we I, can yeah. survive like Sundance, I will be fine. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, what's the what's the forecast looking like over there? I don't know. I haven't even checked because I haven't <laughs> you been planning this because check. I was trying to prevent myself from being sad and it didn't happen. You'll you'll do it. Like I I, I know you're gonna be so yes. Like, I'm gonna enter like a manic phase. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna get all this done. But I'll just tell you right now, I'm very unprepared. I I'm, I'm not. Okay, that's like, you know, my unprepared is like most people's prepared. So I'm like not unprepared, but I'm not as prepared as you would like to be. 
I just can't wait until next week when you're going to have everything like printed out, like all the day's clothing and the, the, the layers like organized. Oh, yeah. oh, no, no. I just make a very nice Canva presentation mm-hmm. now. I don't print things out there anymore. There we go. Everything's on That's even better. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's going to be fun. I'm so excited. I'll bring you by guys back some Mozart balls. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that is. That's a thing. Apparently, it's like a nougat oh. covered in chocolate. But they have so skillfully called it mozart balls all i know is like we've been talking about sardines and butter i can get it here now so i don't know what else could like you can bring me i honestly think you can get everything here um but you know except one thing which it's my white whale every time i go to like the germanic countries Mm -hmm. mango haribos can't find them in the united states can barely find them in germany anymore fucking delicious like Hmm top tier flavor haribo flavor i don't even know if they make them anymore i've not seen them but the last time i was in germany i literally bought out a like a market supply and i brought it back and i was almost over my weight limit because gummy gummies are actually really heavy <laughs> when you buy like 20 packs of them yes it's true also joining us uh <laughs> professional culture leader han win hey, hey what are hey. you doing for this holiday season uh writing blurbs <laughs> Uh, it, it, when when you are in some sort of entertainment online, whatever this is the tis the season to write blurbs because you're doing all of your end of the year, best of the year, whatever things content and trying to write those to not only sum up the year but also uh, um, hopefully have some content to bank so you can take a few days off. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I literally, I'm not doing anything that I, I'm going to figure out if I can take a few days off, but since I'm not going home, um, because my family will not see me if I fly. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. I feel yeah. like that's a good thing. They're I being mean, safe. Yeah. But still, right. Yeah. Like the, <clears throat> the only way they would see me is if I drove all the way through and didn't stop anywhere, <laughs> basically. <laughs> so I, I need, I would need a partner for that, you know, um, because it takes two days to drive from here to Texas. Um. Or at least here in Houston. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's there's no way I cannot expose myself to other things by traveling there. And we still don't have, like, a bullet train to Texas um, oh, or any of those things. That. Yeah, probably not. Not in my lifetime. Too many NIMBYs in our... Yeah. In our, just in our country, I guess. We I can't know. even get a rail from L.A. to Vegas. Vegas is like a suburb of L.A., okay? Yeah. We can't even get that. We can't even get... A literal train to the suburbs of LA, guys. Yeah, that's true. Back on topic, we're here today on the Good Pop Culture Club to talk about the most epic of Christmas movies, <laughs> um, I guess. <laughs> uh, we're here to talk about The Princess Switch, parts one, two, and three, which Jess and Han watched the third one. I marathon through all three movies just <laughs> for this episode, and I'm very excited to talk about it with you guys. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Um, Why did you hesitate, Marvin? <laughs> we'll find out soon. Um, but before we get to our discussion of the Princess Switch saga, let's find out what pop culture has been getting us through the week. Uh, let's start with uh, Jess. Speaking of Christmas movies. Um, okay, I've been sitting on this for a while. Um, I've been talked about it a lot offline to y'all. But in the spirit of this theme of Christmas movies, my good pop recommendation is going to be a Chris, a castle for Christmas, a, another Netflix original Christmas movie starring Brooke Shields and Carrie 
Elwes? I never know how to say his name. Elwes? Elwes? I always thought it was the Ewes, dude, but... The dude from Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. Um, Wesley. And Saw. Wesley. And Saw, yes. But, you know, he, <laughs> when he was at Peacockness, Princess Bride, and Robin... I actually think he's very attractive in Robin Hood, Men in Tights. Mm-hmm. Um, he was yes. in that movie, huh? Mm-hmm. Just everything you want in a romance Christmas movie. You have enemies to lovers. You have dukes uh, you have a very perturbing but yes it works scottish accent carrie always is not scottish he is very british uh, mm-hmm. but he plays a scottish duke and loki kind of sounds like shrek sometimes but it's mm-hmm. all kind of work it's all kind of hot um there it's also a middle age later in life love story you know they are in their um Late fifties, six, early sixties. So we love that. We love that. There is a, uh, there is an implied sexual activity, mm-hmm. which is pretty saucy for a Christmas movie, and surprisingly, very, very good music. Very great music choices, like classy music choices. So I will say it has all the great elements of a cheesy romantic Christmas movie, but it is a little elevated mm-hmm. um, as becoming of someone of. Brooke Shields and Carrie Ilwes's stature. It's way better than um, Christmas in Africa. Africa, the one with Rob Lowe <laughs> and yes. Kirsten Stewart. Not Kirsten Stewart. Kirsten no. Davis. Yes. Um. Yeah. Would highly recommend. And I again, I you know, I'm usually I'm not into like white supremacist like neo-nazi features i'm like never was into the blonde hair blue eyed kind of like mm-hmm. straight dude look but for some reason the 60 year old white man has got me all flustered the I mean, was charm remains he, he's still wesley like that's <laughs> he's the still thing. wesley mm-hmm. yes like kind of curmudgeony at first but like you know and they like you know, I'm not I'm not thinking about this from a I'm not thinking about like class relations in the UK. I'm not thinking about like um any of that because he is a duke and therefore a landlord, but you know, he's a noble landlord. Like, no, I'm not thinking about any of that. I'm just gonna watch this, enjoy their chemistry, enjoy the very charming kind of cast of side characters. It's also very diverse. Um, and just just a lovely little romp through the Scottish Highlands during Christmas. And then, it, of course, it ends in a party where you see Carrie Ilwes in a formal in a formal Scottish wear, which includes a kilt. So it's everything you want. Highly recommend it. Marvin, please watch it. You need to <laughs> understand. Um, yeah, would recommend. I, I also enjoyed the fact that she was a novelist. Um, so She's not a romance novel, a romance novelist, also not a journalist. Oh, that's a plus. <laughs> um, and so I always enjoy like they do this so much because so many people writing these things are writers. And so whenever they have uh, a fiction writer of some sort in a comedy, I just enjoy it. It's just so ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, I didn't even mention um, really great, cute wingman dog. Really cute dog. Hamish. Very cute dog. And then Drew Barrymore. <laughs> This movie has everything. What? As Drew Barrymore. As Drew Barrymore. I do feel like Stefan, like, this movie has everything. <laughs> Carrie is in the kill. A dog named Hamish. Knitting circles. And yeah. Drew Barrymore. It, it's but all of that good. is factually true. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. Wow. Uh, the singing. They even, you, you mentioned they have good music, but there's also good singing. Like, I enjoyed the, the Scottish singing there. Yeah. It's, it's I, I mean, like, Scottish like the Scottish romance trope is, I think, like a very 
ingrained, passionate mm-hmm. subculture within the romance. I mean, we can blame Outlander or yes. credit Outlander, depending yes. on where you fall on that side. Um, and so I appreciate that. And it's, <laughs> I mean, obviously not Scottish. I don't know how Scottish people feel about this, but it all works <laughs> for me, baby. It works for me as an American, yes. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm ready to move into Shrek's swamp because of that accent, you know? I'm easy pickings. Like, let's go. <laughs> I feel like... <laughs> it's the type of movie that uh, I'm, I'm glad it exists for your happiness. Um, I would it's probably recommend Marvin. it to my relatives. My aunt loves watching yes, specifically old like people it. romances. Like mm-hmm. um, she loved, um, what was that? Jack Nicholson one. Like, as good as, as, good as it gets. gets. Yeah. That one's really good. Do not, do not shit on as good <laughs> as it gets. Okay. It's a very good movie. That's good. Nancy Myers. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll check it out. Yeah. I don't know if it's for you, Marvin. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> Frankly, I don't know. I, I think I, I will recommend it to my mom, though. I mean, I did watch three Princess Switch movies, so maybe I'm in the mood now. <laughs> you want some mature love. It's, it, it is. I will say it is. Um, It is much more. It pulls off the grounded story much better than Princess Switch does. How dare you? Uh, all right. Han, what's popping with you? Oh, God. I have such wildly different things that I was going to discuss. Uh, so I think I'll skip the Christmas one. I was also going to bring up a Christmas movie, but um, uh, I think I'm going to talk about Succession. Um, it is, we are now um, in the third season and I will try not to spoil anything because Marvin, you are a little bit behind. Um, but uh, we are Basically, we just passed the penultimate episode of the season. So for the finale is looming. Catch up. Uh, this season has been just fun again, but it's also been very depressing. Um, I, uh, You know already that uh, Kendall Roy has his 40th birthday party episode. It's probably better than you even expect <laughs> um, as far as the ridiculousness of this 40-year-old man-child who is very spoiled and rich. Um, The last episode, things happen also, which I will not discuss. Um, But I also am curious, did anyone read, did you read the uh, profile of Jeremy Strong? Um, Oh my God, I've seen the highlights. Yeah, so Marvin, you should definitely read that because I think it is very interesting because it reflects, it, it gives you a lot of insight about the character of Kendall Roy, because Jeremy Strong is, uh, let's just say, very method um, and very intense about his acting. And um, it's I found the this story delightful to read. Other people found it to be like, like, oh, no, I don't. I hate him now. And I'm like, why would you hate him? No, he's, he's perfect. He's basically Kendall Roy, you know, the way he made it. So I was just like, I I actually appreciate this much more now. And and he's not wrong. Like the no. fennel salad comment. Yes, it's so good. That was, <laughs> he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Um, and what he also speaking of Shrek, he he also used to pass a billboard that said "What the Shrek is uh, going on" or something. <laughs> anyway, it, there are just so many delightful. It's a very well written profile, um, and it's just so many great details. They get a few comments from. Um, the creator, but also a few comments from Kieran Culkin. And it's just fascinating the the curtain that it pulls back on it. So that's, I, you know, I'm talking about succession, but really I'm talking about this profile. <laughs> wow. 
it's great though. I, yeah. I, yeah, I was actually rewatching um the big short for some reason. That's a oh, that's he's a great. movie that I um put on on the background just because it's a lot you it's know a lot like, of talky. A lot of talky, right. So mm-hmm. it's good for like to have it and you know, as you're doing other things. And I forgot that Jeremy Strong was in that film as he's well. He's great. He's yeah. great in it. Yeah. I I very much like uh, the big short and um yeah, big short. And um, I haven't I I'm not caught up on succession. I, I still mm-hmm. haven't seen episode seven, which is the birthday party one. I hear there's some choice um Kendall Roy karaoke going on in that episode. It's not even just that, but yes, that is part of the wonderful tapestry that is that episode. Mm-hmm. Um I, I cannot wait. You have to watch that and then watch those two episodes and then read the profile. Like the profile doesn't spoil anything, but it just enhances everything. Sometimes you forget that succession is a comedy. Well, Jeremy Strong doesn't know it's a comedy. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we learned from the profile. Anyway, you really, really, yeah. Yeah. Really looking forward to um, catching up in time for the finale. I have not, I have not seen it. I did not get a screener. We are, we do not get screeners for the finale. I'm very pissed that I have to watch it in real time. (laughs) Yeah, no, looking forward to uh, looking forward to catching up because, you know, love it or hate it, Succession is a really good show about really shitty people. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's fun to watch them be terrible to each other. I really hope no one's taking any of the characters on Succession as like role models. Oh, you know, they are. You know, people are dumb and are not media literate, right? Like people love American Psycho and think, yes, yes Patrick, Patrick Bateman, Bateman had ideas. <laughs> You know, it's not like, oh, no. no. You know, so definitely someone is worshiping like the altar of Kendall Roy. Or Connor true. Roy. Right, right. I, I read um, a meme. I don't know if this is real, but someone was saying how like, yeah, after Squid Game, workers in Korea decided on striking while people in America wanted to just reenact Squid Game. Yes. Um, I mean, that is actually true. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, uh, well, Speaking of people who don't take it seriously, my friend uh, Caitlin Thomas wrote about Succession, and her her thesis is it is a battle between tall people and short people. So <laughs> you, sh- uh, I will share that story with you, and you will have to fu- actually end up agreeing. <laughs> I mean, cousin Greg Cous- is very tall. Cousin Greg is six seven. Cousin Greg is six seven. But we also we have Alexander Skarsgård, and then just before that, a- Adrian Brody. You know, two very tall people. Um, so, and then you get Karen Culkin. <laughs> so it's, 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 it's just, it's just a very fun little piece, but yeah, you might as well have fun with it. Yeah. So Marvin, what's popping with you? Yeah. So I've been reading the book, The Donut Trap by Julie too. Um, we actually have an interview with Julie on my other podcast books and Boba that should have come out earlier this week. Uh, the Donut Trap is a, um, adult rom-com coming of age story about Jasmine Tran, a recent college grad who is stuck working at her parents' um, donut shop because she doesn't know what she wants to do with her life. It follows her struggles as she tries to figure that out, all the while dealing with her parents' constant nagging. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, Julie Tu, the author, does a really good job capturing that, um, in my opinion, uniquely millennial and specifically millennial children of immigrant um, experience of not knowing what to do with yourself after you've graduated college. Um, a lot of us, you know, the, for the first 22 years of our life, um, our lives are focused on that singular goal of getting that college degree because that's what our parents um, expect of us. And <laughs> once we get there, we all have like a so what now um, experience. I think Julie did a really good job capturing that, um, those emotions. And so the rom com aspect comes when, um, as Jasmine is trying to um, get her shit together. 
um, she comes across uh, a boy named Alex, who she had um, encountered once in college while she was working at a ticket booth at the sports arena. He was kind of like the guy who got away because she tried to track him down using his phone number, but it led to a a wrong number. Uh, but they get reunited by chance because he turns out to be the co-worker of one of her best friend's um, boyfriend. And so they strike up a relationship. Um, her parents find out and hijinks ensue. I I actually read this. So I what I really liked was that when it came to um, Jasmine Tran, that she actually had a personality. You know, she's kind of funny, um, which I I hate to say that because it sounds like I'm so surprised. But sometimes, you know, like the lead can be somewhat generic, just like, oh, she's pretty, you know, or something like that. And I was like, she actually has a personality outside of this love interest. And yeah. um, I mean, it's built as a rom-com, but it's kind of actually light on the rom. Yeah. Very uh, heavy on the com, though. Like there's a lot of interesting situations that she puts herself in because she at herself is kind of like a hot mess person. She um, is bad at dating. She has no luck with boys. And it's because she's kind of in her head a lot and feeling just I don't know what I'm doing with my life. While in the age of social media, seeing all her friends like getting promotions, getting married. And yeah, someone introduced me to the term because I wasn't aware of it because I kept calling it an adulting romance. And they're like, no, no, it's not why it's not young adult. It's called new adult. And I was like, new adult. Uh, And I was like, that makes way more sense. So, yeah. So that's kind of like why I was like, there better be a sequel or something like that. Because it does. She is so new. And you're you're right that the romance is only part of her sort of journey and yeah. self-discovery. It's more of a coming of age. Although yeah. coming of age stories usually don't star adult protagonists. Right. But I think in terms of like this specific time frame, especially for this our generation of like millennial slash mm-hmm. like children of immigrants who kind of grew up with like immigrant parents, like Asian immigrant parents. I feel like our coming of age is technically that like young adult phase, like mid 20s to late 20s, like that era. I think that's when realistic a lot of these stories would be taking place, right? Yeah. And it, exactly. It's, it's something that's speaking to the idea of just coming into this economy also. <laughs> like that story, it's so bad. Like falling in love in this economy. Yeah. Everything in this, cri- in this climate, in this economy, anything is just so yeah. super hard. So, you know, might as well like do what you like and figure out like what brings you joy. And so I think that's yeah. a big part of it. Um, but the wrong part of it is actually pretty sweet too. Um, yeah. Her love interest, Alex. He's there's not a lot of um, tension between the two. Besides, um, the tension comes actually from the parents not getting along. There is this disastrous like meeting that like parents meeting each other scene, which comes way too early um, in a relationship. Unless you're Asian, which it comes right about the same time because your parents like I feel like once your parents realize that you are dating somebody, they want to meet the other person's parents right away. I don't know if that is the same way with your parents. My parents are definitely no. My parents are weird. (laughs) They want nothing to do with you. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. 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 It's kind of like a don't ask, don't tell until Uh. they need to know, (laughs) and then they're like, okay, I guess we need to acknowledge this person. (laughs) Hmm. That's interesting. I feel like my my parents are already like, oh, let's just can we have dinner with her mom's like no. Well, look, (laughs) if if the person were Vietnamese, then yes, they'd be excited. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it. so Julie does a really great job of like writing different types of parents too, because mm-hmm. um, Jasmine's family is Chinese by way of Cambodia and Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Alex's family, the love interest, is 
from Shanghai. And so there's this like level of classism too, right? Like um, Jasmine's family runs a donut shop while Alex's mom is like a PhD, like a ac- academic. And I, I love that Julie was able to write that clash in too, where the parents don't approve of each other because of this sense of, oh, you're either not good enough for my son or you don't think your son is oh, good yeah. enough for my daughter. That shit's real. <laughs> but yeah, um, it's a really fun book. Um, it's it's not, um, if you're looking for like a hot steamy romance, it's not that. It's not a sexy book. But there are a lot of descriptions of abs. So, you know, if you like ab descriptions. <laughs> abs? Abs, yeah. Alex has good abs. That's what oh. I learned from, from reading the book. Yo, that's so weird because I'm reading another rom-com about donuts that also have a, has a lot of abs in it. It's very interesting. Give the women what they want, which is fucking donuts, fried sweet dough, and, and abs. fucking abs, okay? That's all we want in life. It's not rocket science. So yeah, check it out. Um, Donut Trap by Julie 2. It's available at bookstores now. Uh, but with that, that's what's popping for this week. When we come back, we're talking all about the Princess Switch, the Princess Switch, and the Princess Switch. <laughs> Stick around. Hey, I'm Phil Yu, and you may know me from a blog called Angry Asian Man. And I'm Jeff Yang, author, journalist, and celebrity dad. We host a podcast called They Call Us Bruce, an unfiltered conversation about what's happening in Asian America. Each week or so, we host a discussion about some of the most vital and interesting topics in our pop culture and our community, bringing in guests who are shaping and informing this thing called Asian America from Hollywood to D.C. and beyond. Uh, we got media, entertainment, food, family, politics, representation, the good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at theycallsbruce.com. Peace. Peace. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. On this episode, we're talking about the Princess Switch trilogy with the release of the Princess Switch 3, Romance in the Star, um, a couple of weeks ago. The Princess Switch is a series of Christmas romantic comedies directed by Mike Roll that stars Vanessa Hudgens as the titular princesses that get switched. Um, I guess it's been a while since we've done more than one film. So I think we can go through them one by one and kind of do some quick thoughts. Of course, we're going to talk about the third one the most because that's the most recent one. But um, the first movie came out in 2018 and I guess did well enough for it to get two more. Uh, Vanessa Hutchins plays Stacy, um, a baker from Chicago who gets invited to a baking competition in the fictitious European country known as Belgravia, 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 (laughs) Um, where she finds out that she is a dead ringer for the Duchess of Montanaro, who is there to visit her fiance, the Prince of Belgravia. And they decide to do a Prince and Pauper style switch so that the Duchess can find out what it's like to live as a normal person. As a normie. (laughs) Hijinks ensue. The Duchess falls in love with Stacey's best friend who also has some pretty nice abs shown off in, <laughs> in, in the film. If there's um, baking, there are abs. <laughs> it's, it's like the dichotomy, right? You're like, oh, I expect there to be no abs because baking and sugary sweets. But there are abs. <laughs> and then Stacy falls in love with the prince. Um, well, I'm curious. What did you all think? Because I'm, I'm assuming you both watched these films in real time. 
right? Because you're both Christmas rom-com aficionados. So I doubt that you let this slip your graphs and watch it late like myself, because I just watched all three movies in the past <laughs> three days. What a binge. I <laughs> know. <laughs> are you okay? <laughs> I'm, yeah. I mean, here's what I'll say about The Princess Switch 1, at least. It happened. <laughs> it was nice. It's like... um. It's kind of like eating cotton candy. It's sweet and it's fun. But after I finished it, I just, I didn't think about it. It didn't linger in my thoughts. It, it, just, it just happened. And, you know, that's fine too. Sometimes you just want a film to enjoy and not think about it too much, right? Um, because at its core, it is a film about monarchs <laughs> who have apparently a lot of power still in their governments. And, um, you know, if you think about that stuff, it kind of, Everything falls apart, right? But as as a romantic comedy, Vanessa Hudgens totally hamming it up every single scene is what you want from one of these rom coms, right? Yeah. So I guess a couple of things I would say because you're right, it's the memory of the specifics of the first two movies are hazy for me. But what I do remember was that so a Christmas Prince came out in 2017, and that sort of set the bar for the Netflix holiday romantic universe. Um, being pretty ridiculous, um, as we have probably stated on this podcast before. So the following year, the the sequel to Christmas Prince came out, and it was awful. But <laughs> Princess Switch came out, and it was just delightful. As you said, it's probably, it's not like world-shaking or anything, not even mem- memorable, but it was just delightful. And I think what I liked about it was Vanessa Hudgens is just very, very likable. And to have double the Vanessa Hudgens, and then also to have one of those Vanessa Hudgenses put on a really ridiculous, like British-ish accent, is great. So it's like an English accent by way of America. Yeah, like the transatlantic, transatlantic. Yeah, and then and then you add on a blonde wig with that same accent, and that's a third Vanessa Hudgens character, like. It's all great. Yeah, that's the third. That's the second film. We're not there. Right now, there's only two. But yeah, so the first one, I think, was just just delightful enough that it 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 did make an impression that as far as like, yes, we need more of this. Um, I think it was rooted enough in things like tropes we're kind of used to as ridiculous as they are. Like we all love Parent Trap. We all watched as you said, Princess and the Popper. Popper. Like mm-hmm. I watch the Mickey Mouse version every mm-hmm. year mm-hmm. around Christmas. And there is an element of Christmas and like, yes, like it, it was aware they were in on the joke, right? Yeah. Like we know this is ridiculous, but the first one was, you know, still you could kind of tell was trying to be grounded <laughs> in some basis of reality, right? They tried to explain like, how do we look so like, like, Oh, we, you know, I had an off, you know, distant cousin who fled to America after getting married to a divorcee. Maybe like, Oh, like, you know, they spent like two, three lines on that. Like, oh, yeah, the they had an Italian last name. And it got changed. And like, that's probably. And we'll get back so to similar. this in the third film. Mm-hmm. There's a throwaway line that kind of throws the entire thing out yes, of whack a little yes. bit. There, you can have two sides of your family. Yeah. All right. That's <laughs> fine. Yes. Um, Biracial queens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's it's also helps that they, I think also, you know, the casting is fantastic. Vanessa Hudgens for all her weird quirks and like. Um, you know, least we forget early 2020 where she was like, "Hey, maybe COVID. We should just let people die." <laughs> Thing, yeah. Um, I don't know if you forgot that. I yeah. didn't. Yeah. Um, you know, she is coming from a kind of that like world of like 
a little heightened ridiculousness with like high school, high school musical, musical stuff. A little campy. So she's very good at the campiness. And then let's be real. The dudes are very charming. Like Sam, mm-hmm. um, the guy, the, the prince guy, he's from Nashville. He's mm-hmm. very, very charming. And he sings and he's British. He's like legit British. Very mm-hmm. charming. And then you have like very attractive, like tall, like, um, uh, like, like brown hottie best friend like it's like a little bit for everyone right you like the classic like you like the classic like white boy you like the like more like oh and he's also like a single dad like he's the baker with abs the the baker with abs great single dad looks great in a sweater support friend like it's like it's it's that old thing like in another movie this would have been the love triangle instead they're like no we're gonna have two people but the same person but two people and they get both mm-hmm. <laughs> we get both we get both stories in one story that's yeah. brilliant actually i think what it contributed to the first movie being so i guess light and fluffy in my mind is just, there's no real conflict yeah in the entire film like the antagonists were like you know, like it was a fellow bumbling baker. butler and then evil baker who like was in maybe two scenes in, in the entire the, film. No, but the drama's from the situation, right? <laughs> They're falling in love with people, but they have to switch back. I like, yeah, um, it's the farce of pretending to be the other one and somehow someone seeing through it. Yeah. yeah. And I tried my best not to <laughs> just think too hard about what's happening here where it's like, okay, you're switching places. Yeah, totally different accents, but you're both are nailing the accents yeah. almost perfectly. It's um, in their blood. Have you seen Lindsay Lohan mm-hmm. in Parent Trap? It happens, Marvin. Yeah, it <laughs> happens. Um, okay. I also and say. Then, I mean, uh, there's also the um, the strange magical old man that. <laughs> See, strange magical man. That's definitely like a love actually trope, right? You have your own Atkinson, like that. It's a little bit of magic that yeah. makes things, you know, Christmassy. It's fine. I accept all these. Yeah, things. Th- there's a lot of magical, like elvish people around in these Christmas movies that um, grant wishes and do things like this. They're shenanigans, but they almost always mean well. Um, yeah, yeah. And in the end. The Princess Switch one, at least, is a fairy tale. You know, the 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 humble baker from Chicago becomes a princess in the end, mm-hmm. and I mean, it was it was fine. Yeah, I, I will say, um, the naming for some of this is like, why do they have to name him Kevin? Like, <laughs> terrible <laughs> name for a lot. Like, hey, Kevin. Like Kevin Richards too. My name is Kevin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we could talk about three and how I feel about the name Peter. <laughs> But yeah, that's, you know, you got like these fans, you got Lady Margaret, Catherine, Claire, Delacourt, um, and then there's Kevin. Prince Kevin. <laughs> but maybe that's why. Maybe Well, not yet. Not yet. Right, right. Well, we'll move on to the 2020 film, The Princess Switched, Switched Again, Uh-oh. in which we add an additional Vanessa Hudgens to the cast. This edition of The Princess Switch um, finds us, I guess, one or two years in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, two. Stacy is now Princess Stacy of uh, Belgravia, and we find that Duchess Margaret is now next in line to become the queen of oh, um, Montanaro. Montanaro, Montanaro, um, after the previous king passed away and the prince abdicated. Which at the start I did have a thought: Why didn't she also abdicate if she didn't really want to do yeah, it? No, don't think too much. Don't think too much about <laughs> it. She has a duty. She has a duty. But because of that duty, she has. Did you not up watch the crown? Kevin, 
Yeah. And then, um, well, because her character in the first film seemed like she didn't care about that stuff. She still feels responsibility because she's a woman. (laughs) Damn, we're going to gender politics now. Anyway. So the second film is all about Stacy and Kevin's daughter, Olivia, trying to get them back together. That's the central romance of this film. Um, In addition, we also meet Duchess Margaret's cousin, um, Fiona... Lady Fiona Pembroke. <laughs> who is um, party with his Hudgens and who comes <laughs> and creates chaos and tries to switch with her so that she can become queen and steal all the country's money. And so um, this film actually had a little bit more stakes, I guess, to the conflict um, because there's, you know, kidnapping and, well, it's mostly the kidnapping and yeah. and crime, right? Yeah, this is this... a fucking felony, man. That's a fucking felony <laughs> yeah. on so many accounts. Yeah, this 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 Vanessa Hudgens is uh what's delightful about her besides her blonde wig is and really ridiculous accent. Um like super snooty accent is that she is also a criminal, <laughs> which is lovely. I like that she, there's there's just this like very uh, not even a gray area. It's kind of like yeah, I'm going to do crimes because I need this. <laughs> yeah, but like a criminal in the form of like a Christmas movie criminal, which is yeah. not a very good one. And well, yeah, it has to be wacky because I think they also realized that kids were watching these films, and um, something you know that we we've learned is that certain violence has to be over the top because you are not allowed to uh show things that kids can recreate at home so that's why when like someone like trips on a roller skate and does like 20 other things <laughs> like you know and so that's why cartoonish yeah yeah so you know that's why like like lightsabers are okay because like no one has a real lightsaber um yeah but <laughs> yeah yet um i will but, say even yeah. though at the beginning with like kevin being brokenhearted and in sweatpants kevin the beard was uh, was working Right? Even Marvin, you can't deny it. <laughs> he really looks good in his sweater. Although, am I crazy? Did they switch the daughters after? She could have just gotten older. I didn't pay attention to the daughter. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I'm like, I like, remember, I like Dilfs, but I don't like the children that come along with the Also, Dilfs, so. it, it's been a while since I've watched it, so I really can't remember. <laughs> oh. um, I, what I will say about this movie is, I remember when we were all watching the trailer for it. We're like, what the fuck? There's a third Vanessa Hudgens. And it shouldn't have worked. And yet it worked. It was really, yeah. I was so excited that it actually worked. They leaned into the campiness, the ridiculousness. And again, they always seem like they're in on the joke. So it works. Yeah. Yeah. I remember writing a note down saying, oh, now they're using switching as like an actual like functioning strategy for things yeah they have evolved (laughs) the switching aspect switching Uh, is not just a part of their lives it's just what they do when they need to solve problems yes why not that's what twins do (laughs) so i hear (laughs) i am not the twin that can do that so (laughs) i did enjoy that this version um you know princess switch there's a bunch of movies they they need to pull all sorts of inspirations and they decided for number two we're going to have the airport chase finale scene Mm because it's time to pull it out which was great because that also resulted in an airport uh nuptials (laughs) (laughs) so might as well use that 
Um, but we still get the, you know, like the big dress scene with the coronation. Though I was like, girl, do not make out with your husband at your coronation. Like, this is supposed to be a religious ceremony. Well, I thought we weren't thinking too hard about this. Uh, that's you're fair. Yeah. Like, and they couldn't get him like a fancy suit in time for this. Like they couldn't like he, you're the fucking queen. Like he couldn't be in some like cool like regalia at that point. Sorry, I just wanted to see Kevin bearded hot Kevin in like nice princely attire. Well, you do get that in the third film, but we're not there. Which yet. is the best of <laughs> the three. Let's be real. Um, I'm curious when the second film came out, were you satisfied with how it went? Yeah, because uh, I think I, as I was watching, I kind of didn't care what the plot was. I just wanted to make sure that adding a third Vanessa Hudgens wasn't going to uh, jump the shark. And um, since that aspect <laughs> did pretty well, I kind of didn't care about any of the rest of it. How, how can you jump a shark for something that is like starting? <laughs> <laughs> starting over the shark, you know, like that, that's not the question we can ask. It's 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 just. I mean, I didn't want it to ruin the franchise. Yes, basically. the shark was jumped the moment that they switched the first time in the first. Yes, film. no, yes, exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's that's not the right question to ask. I think it's it's just I don't know. Like, yes, there's always a fear that's going to be bad, but you know, I think I think it's only bad if people are not um, aware of how nonsensical this is. Yeah, because for example, I did not like the Christmas Prince too. And to the point no. I didn't even watch three. So that tells no. you how I like how a bad franchise kind of like, uh. whereas this one I still think is delightful. So, yes. yeah, I found it also like it was, it was definitely <clears throat> it was definitely just as watchable as the first one. Um, I felt that the, the addition of the third um, Vanessa Hutchins um, and just that st- the, the addition of just, I guess, some stakes to the storyline really um I, I found myself more engaged with this one than than the first one. And <laughs> I love that that was the aspect that they carried over to the third film. Mm-hmm. They're like, hmm, that that crime part at the end of the second one really worked. Yeah. What if we made an entire yes. film of Let's that Let's do more crime crimes. <laughs> more crime. More crime. It's, it's like, you know, I feel like on this podcast we say a lot, like, just turn anything into a heist film and we're like, it's gold. <laughs> and I feel like, you know, the Netflix gods, Princess Switch Creative Team, listen. Yeah. They, and they were rewarded because this is a fantastic movie. It is pure gold. They yeah. understood the the assignment here. <laughs> yeah, I guess we should just move on to the third film, 2021's yes. The Princess Switch 3, Romancing the Star, um, which is uh, which does not add a fourth Vanessa Hudgens, unfortunately, but does focus on the third um, Vanessa Hudgens character, uh, Fiona Pembroke, and builds a story around her because she's the only Vanessa Hudgens character that does not have prince yet right the first film stacy and edward got together and they're kind of like the heroes of that film um the second film was about uh margaret and kevin the third film we get fiona and peter and let's be real fiona is the most interesting of the three versions of vanessa hudgens in this series she is fantastic like we get the um you know the scar childhood mommy issues we get uh you know, childhood best friend who's now also maybe a thief, mm-hmm. but is also disgraced 
framed Interpol agent. <laughs> so good. So, yeah, so good. I wanna, when I watched this film, I was like, when did the Princess Switch become a Fast and the Furious movie? Like, it's why so, are we staring at computer screens? Is that why I screens? like this movie yes. so much? Because it essentially is another Fast and the Furious it is. movie. I mean, you have secret agents, you have thieves, you have a heist setup, you have inexplicable computer hologram like planning sequence you have lasers you have that you know the i'm gonna do gymnastics and dance through the lasers (laughs) you have a tango scene yeah i mean okay so princess switch 3 is about um basically princess yes please the two princess margaret and princess stacy have come together to plan a Christmas festival in Belgravia. And I guess the Catholic Church has lent them the Star of St. Nicholas, which I'm guessing is not a real relic, but um, and which gets stolen um, by this um, mustache-twirling hotel entrepreneur slash crime lord. So to recover the star, they turn to the only person they know who has connections to the underworld, which turns out to be Fiona, who is working off her sentence at a convent. Uh, Fiona, I guess, feels bad for kidnapping um, Stacy and trying to steal the throne from Margaret. So she agrees to help and calls on the assistance of an old flame. Peter Maxwell, former Interpol agent, current probably thief, played by Remy He. Yes. And I think, okay, of the three Vanessa Hudgens and their respective partners, I think Fiona... Vanessa Hudgens and Remy He mm-hmm. playing Peter have the best chemistry. Oh yes, they spend the entire film flirting with each other. I mean, I, granted, the entire series is about flirting with each other, but they have like the most like they have the most sexual yeah, chemistry. Most- yeah, like like it's sweet. You know, the Stacy and Edward are sweet. Edward and or Kevin and Margaret sweet, cute. No, they like, you know, they just want to fuck. Yeah, Fiona and Peter definitely fuck. Oh, I don't know if Margaret or Stacy fuck. They hold hands. Um, <laughs> so something I will note very lightly that this is inspired by Romancing the Stone, which is a classic enemies to lovers. They um get getting along together to steal something. So that is also very i think why that they decided to create that sort of like chemistry besides the fact that i think they have natural chemistry and fiona just is an amazing character right but for them to kind of have that that sort of push and pull a little bit yeah. while also stealing and being in close quarters while they're stealing things very I think good. that's what works for this right mm-hmm. because yeah the first two films it's all kind of light and fluffy they do get along but there's no tension right yeah um, and if there is, it gets resolved really quickly. Whereas this, you have like, and I, I can, I get it, right? I get why enemies to lovers that trope will work mm-hmm. because you get my the banter, you bro. get the, <laughs> you get the is my favorite. It's I ride hard for enemies to lovers. Yep. It could be the worst enemies to lovers like version, but I was like, I will take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the creators definitely know what they're doing because they put Fiona and Peter in a lot of very sexy situations right there's a freaking <laughs> laser sexy laser dance in the middle of the ice. there's a sexy laser dance in the middle of the film it's so good you, <laughs> you said that with a straight face Marvin. <laughs> it's like it like if you ever seen that's a 1999 film because i had to look it up entrapment where Catherine zeta jones has to like go through the lasers and like you see the butt 
you know, scene. I mean, I feel like that's where the trope originated from. That, right? that exactly. But then because uh, Peter is in the scene too, it becomes a dance uh, <laughs> with the two of them together to avoid the lasers. It's so good. Uh, and, and like Remy, he who plays Peter, like looks real good. Mm-hmm. He looks real good in like a white t-shirt. Yeah, I he mean this film in a tuxedo. This film should just be Remy He's audition tape for the next Bond, right? Because that's what he was playing. He was playing James Bond the entire time. <laughs> oh, He's too good to be James Bond. Excuse me. I think um, because you yeah. know Vanessa Hudgens could do. Well, someone was like, "Oh, Vanessa." I saw this on Twitter. Like Vanessa Hudgens could do like some prestige role, but they could not do Princess Switch. <laughs> That's true. I mean, it, it I it was funny because I was having a conversation with some friends on Facebook um because they watch a lot of like holiday rom-coms and to the point that we were discussing certain Hallmark people who were like if he's in it, I'll watch. And, he, and I'm like, yeah, there's this particular white guy. I will watch his movies cuz he's actually good at selling the cheese basically. And so like there's a certain level of comedy chops you have to have to be able to sell it without it actually tipping over into something bad and i i very much enjoy vanessa hudgens because i think also part of it is i think she's having fun um so like when you yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah. i think she like she like, like i feel like everyone's in on the joke but they're enjoying it and there's a you could tell because there's always sometimes people know it's bad and they like fucking do not want to be there. <laughs> yes uh which might have happened in princess switch not uh princess uh was it Oh, Christmas no, Prince. Uh, Christmas Prince. Not gonna lie. I think some there's someone with Christmas Prince. I was like, oh, you guys hate this. Yeah, I was over it after that, like trying to get through second second movie. But yeah, so and what I think that they understood, I think they agreed with you in that Fiona is the best of the best Vanessa Hudgenses. So that's why the big switching trope here was the other two had to become Fiona for various reasons. So you had yeah. three Fionas. They slipped in the last minute switch in the story, which I was not expecting. I was like, okay, ah. so now you have Vanessa Hudgens playing Margaret pretending to be Fiona. And then you have Vanessa Hudgens playing Stacy trying to be Fiona. And then you have Fiona trying to be Fiona with Remy. And the sexy laser dance scene happens concurrently with the sexy tango scene. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. a sexy tango scene <laughs> because the bad guy who is really who really stole the star, who is also an ex flame of Fiona's, really loves to tango. <laughs> I mean, he it's would. Sad. He he really loves to tango, but that's that's just like the best villains who have some sort of flamboyance about him. You know, like they really love this particular type of like caviar, whatever it is. Yeah. That's their cryptid. Yeah. That's their Achilles heel. He really likes to That's tango. how she distracted him. Like, he was all ready to get, like, you know, close up with her. And she's like, but wait, the tango. Um, so, it, I don't know. It's, just, it's so good. But it, it, but here's the other thing. It's like, we, we joke about this, but it's sort of like, maybe not the same level as Tatiana Maslany, <laughs> um, who was in Orphan Black, <laughs> playing, like, six different characters. But... I do have to say that to a certain point, I did start feeling like they were different people um, because I remember when Stacy was on the screen, I'm like, ah, just get her out of the way. Um, and, and I was just like, oh, wait, she's the same person as Fiona, like literally. So I was just like, I guess it's just like they need to write her better or whatever. But um, but I remember having that sort of weird moment when I was doing an Orphan Black um, interview and I was just like, why is the stage so empty? 
And it's because there's only one Tatiana Maslany, um, even though she populates the show, like more than half the show. Yeah. So, so th- it's not quite the same level of like chameleon transformation, but it's good enough that like I buy it. So, you know, th- I give her props for that. Yeah, I mean... I too found myself waiting for the next Fiona scene during this film. And I think that's a big reason why this film worked for me. Like the first two films, like I mentioned, didn't really leave with a lot. But this film, I actually found myself like engaging and really like watching it as opposed to just having it be on in front of me. Yeah, I think the Fast and the Furious uh, parallels work because they've definitely leaned into the tone more of the ridiculousness. It's not just the plot. But like they really figured out that, oh, because Fiona has all of this personality, we're just going to triple the Fiona. So um, and and it's kind of like it's like, well, why have just one weird like death defying escape with a, a, a car flying through the sky? Why not do a few? You know, <laughs> more is the better. Right. And actually, it kind of works. I did find that, I mean, and this is, I mean, it's not really nitpicking. I think it, it is a a flaw in the storytelling is after the heist happens, the last like 20 minutes of the film really, really dragged because they were trying to wrap up a lot of loose threads in Fiona's story, which I kind of found they should have just saved that for like a part four. Princess Switch it, four. Right? Yeah. Because. <laughs> how, uh, well, how are they going to top heist? Like, do they have to introduce another cousin? I mean. What? No, they tied up the mom storyline. I feel like that could have been like I think I think mom Peter was an Fiona... international jewel thief as well, and you have to chase her down now. You know, no one, nobody wants. Okay, Mar- Marvin, you are a misunderstanding <laughs> a fundamental part of Christmas movies. It has to be about romantic love. Okay, these movies I I, I watched fun- the heist film. I don't know about you, but this was a film about heist and crime. But but it would not have been the same if there wasn't that component of will they won't it they. Enemies lovers from her ex boyfriend Peter. It that is a very core component of these Christmas movies. You cannot remove that. So here's the thing then. What if they do a Princess Switch movie that's not during Christmas and then they can go off with Peter and Fiona and they do Jewel of the Nile, which is a sequel to Romancing the Stone? Uh, I would watch an entire fucking spin off series yes. of Peter and Fiona just robbing shit. Yeah, like all over the Hoodie, world. Like, <laughs> like like romancing the stone meets um leverage where they only help mm-hmm. good people like they help people who are cheated by the system who have to work outside of the system yeah like make yeah it happen. yeah i think they they kind of understood like fiona's the star here and now they need to figure out like how to just get her in her own thing and leave montanaro and belgravia alone like whatever they're fine <laughs> what did y'all think about the finale where you were jess you finally get to see kevin in his full kingdom I regalia love that i do agree i think a drag because we it's like mm-hmm. yeah like we're getting some we're getting multiple storylines wrapped up you know we get the redemption from her mother but then uh, you know all that's out the window though and you're like peter shows up in a tuxedo and i'm happy you know <laughs> yeah no, he's so a I'm he's in the full that. like like he had like a metals like, tails. And, like, like yeah you look good. You look good. Remember, he looks good. Yeah, I very much enjoyed him. I I also appreciated that they they just gave us three very decent like love interests. Like you know, they got more and more interesting, I guess, you know, over time. Um, but yeah, I I love the fact that he is both a thief and an Interpol agent. Um, whatever. Well, he was it is. a disgraced yeah, Interpol sure. agent, therefore had to resort to thievery because he was 
frame for a crime or something that he didn't. Yeah, it doesn't the details matter. Details are a little vague, but you don't get the. It doesn't idea. matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. I do agree with just that. I wish he had a more secret agenting name than Peter Maxwell. I was just saying, but like that's why I give this man an Oscar because he made the name Peter like hot. Mm-hmm. Peter's not a hot. Sorry to all the Peters out there. Peter's not a hot <laughs> name. You do not want to scream Peter in the throes of fashion. Yet he makes it work. All the Peters, um, please write in and say say why they're your, why just please, please do not cancel me. <laughs> all right. Well, Han thinks the next film will be another heist based on Fiona and Peter. Jess, what do you think the Princess Switch 4 will be? Um, mm, well, like, where do you go from here? There, We have to get the gang back together, right? Because if there's no switching, it wouldn't be the Princess Switch. So who who hasn't switched yet? <laughs> like, who hasn't switched yet? Well, Fiona's... Have they all switched? Yeah, Fiona, well, Fiona has only played one. For, yeah, yeah, Fiona hasn't switched for um, good reasons yet. Yeah, yeah. So maybe what if they're maybe the the device that makes it more difficult is they're all on a cruise. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And they some Christmas cruise. <laughs> they have to somehow switch um, while yes. they're on the cruise. Yeah. So and then somehow let's get a musical number in there. Like they have to enter a talent competition. Um, I was thinking as part more like of closed like, room murder mystery. Princess Switch. Oh, I would love a like, oh, cruise murder mystery. Yeah, but there's all. also a talent show component where they need to perform <laughs> to catch the killer. But then yes, in 100 percent then in the middle of it, someone else dies. Because okay. because any good like cozy murder mystery starts out with one body and in the middle somewhere else another body. Sorry. And then we find out that the murder, the victim was also had a twin and like <gasps> oh therefore they oh. also switch yeah something yes like, so the person the switch working. against switch yeah that's done that okay netflix we're writing this for you <laughs> uh i do have to, I, I do want to say um what are your thoughts about the revelation that the character stacy de novo is filipino canonically in the story. And I try not to think too hard about this because this means that both Fiona and Margaret would also have to have like the same, like a Filipino. You're thinking I too guess, hard. You're parent. thinking too hard. It's on her mom's <laughs> side. It's fine. I love it. You know, in real life, Vanessa Hudgens is biracial Filipina. Let's let her live, play that in movies and you know people are dumb and if you don't explicitly say that shit no one knows i'm just saying there is apparently an official netflix rom-com expanded extended universe like shared universe these things matter right so marvin what you need to do is the next time there's a movie look at the christmas tree and look for an acorn and all of your answers will probably be in that acorn Mm. He doesn't know what that means, huh? He hasn't watched it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I did um, make a note about the blatant product placement in the first Princess Switch movie where they sat down and watched The Christmas Prince. Yes, yes. Uh, did you notice who was at the wedding? Um, oh, wait, you don't know who they are. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, but like that is like this, this series has created multiple wormholes in this universe because again, in the first Princess Switch, they there's a plot point where Kevin and Margaret as Stacy watch a Christmas Prince on Netflix, but then like one of them is at their coronation. Yeah. 
So I'm like, yep. wait, 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 wait. So we're watching fake movie. We're watching a movie on Netflix, but that is also those characters came to your coordinate. That's a fucking wormhole. Well, it's the wormhole. Well, the movie itself might have been a documentary for them. <laughs> Like it was exactly the same as in our world. Hon. No, but it, not... but their documentaries look like our movies. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Wait, did, does the Christmas does a Christmas prince also take place in the fake European country? Yes, yes, and they, but they're all real in this universe, and they all like have diplomatic relations with each other. So basically, they actually all are neighbors. So, um, <laughs> wait, wait, is Al- this true? Or is this your head cannon? No, uh, no. In in the universe, Aldovia. Is where the Christmas Prince is, like his kingdom, and so they actually mentioned Aldovia in one of these movie, these Princess Switch movies. So, like, it's all that's all connected, for sure. I don't know if I want to know this. So they actually same thing. They mentioned Penglia in both of the series, and uh, I don't know if they mentioned Montanaro. <laughs> Wait, where's <laughs> Penglia? What series is that from? No, Penglia is Number the two. yeah. Penglia is the Asian country that I was talking about. Which movie was that from? Uh, Princess two, Switch Princess Two. Was it? They also very lightly mentioned it in three. Marvin just blacked out for all the Wait, Princess Switch movies. That Princess Switch Two took place in Montanaro. It does, but they have the diplomatic relation. Wait, wait, sorry. Wait, no. Shit, are we Prince thinking about Christmas Prince it's Christmas Three? Prince two it's Christmas Prince Three. The oh. royal baby. Whatever it is, it's like <laughs> sorry, Marvin, but you're valid. But they do mention Penglia in Princess Switch Three because I remember noting it when they mentioned. Um, that country because they were talking about relations and stuff so i feel like yeah i feel like charlie day in that um that gif meme with like the different <laughs> things on the wall <laughs> like, uh, please explain to me this netflix series. well you would have to watch christmas prince one two and three <laughs> but i already know about the acorn so the mm. the suspense is gone yeah <laughs> it's probably the best part right. along with the journalism I guess last question for for you too. Uh, I guess last question for us is the Princess Switch good pop? It's great pop, man. Yes, we need more. Amazing, especially number three. Yeah, (laughs) Um, it's like fun, ridiculous discourse that's like not hurting or offending (laughs) anyone. Like, yes, let's let's get more of this. It's so good. They like really understood what they were supposed to do, and they gave it to us. So I'm very pleased. I think the third movie is definitely good pop. The first two, they were it's fine. good. They're fine. They're good to me. You know, as someone who is not, as someone who does not watch Christmas rom coms, they did. They did not offend me. They they weren't overly cheesy, and you know, there are parts of part two that I was really into, which, like I mentioned, was all of part three. So, um, I think definitely I need more than just like a fluffy rom com to watch. Mm-hmm. But you know, part three was a lot of fun, and Remy he. Nailed his depiction of a suave, roguish secret agent. So um, definitely want to see more of him in stuff as well. Um, hopefully we'll see all of them together in the fourth movie. If you're listening, Netflix, because I know you listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but on that note, that'll do it for our, our deep dive into the Princess Switch universe. Um, into the Princess Switch universe. Uh, Jess Han, if people want to find out more of your thoughts, where can they go? My trash tweets are on Twitter at Just You Tweets. And I am at Anonymous. You can find me on Twitter at Marvin. You can find our show at Good Pop Club. Um, we are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Check out our fellow Potluck pods by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. 
And with that, that'll do it for this episode of the Good Pop Culture Club. Um, next week will be our final episode of 2021 before we take a short hiatus uh, for Jess to go on, on her magical European Christmas vacation um, where she'll be stopping by the very real countries of Montanaro and Belgravia, Aldovia, and Belgra- Pengal- Penglia, Belgravia. Belgravia. Yes, all of those. We'll be back next week with a wrap-up episode of the Best Good Pop of 2021. But until then, um, happy holidays, and we'll see you next week. Bye, Bye. everyone. Bye. Brian, did you go to Saturday school as a kid? I sure did. Did you? Totally. Well, at our podcast, Saturday School, we don't teach a language, but we pass along the culture that we do know. And that's Asian American pop culture. Ada is a journalist, and I'm a professor and film festival programmer. We've watched a lot of great Asian American movies, and we want you to watch them too. Come listen to us as we look back at the pioneering films that have led us to today. 